Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is Colleen. How are you today, Colleen? Hello. I'm doing okay. I'm uh, pretty excited for a Shinron episode. It's episode 100. We've, we've hit a milestone. Yeah. Uh, can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not as, like, as celebratory as it might seem, like, on any other series, just because... We have we also have like nine hundred more of these to go, so we're not even like a tenth of the way actually there, which is like just frightening. It's so true. Yeah, because most series you'd probably get you know at the halfway mark, maybe depending on how long it is. But here, like we've barely touched the uh, the main plot, if you will. Barely, barely have touched it. There's so many characters we haven't seen yet. There's still. So much to come on uh, Detective Cannon. So, hopefully, all good stuff. So, this is a two-part episode. It's called "The Memories of First Love Case." Uh, part one originally aired on May eleventh, nineteen ninety-eight, and the Conan's hint for last time was lemon pie. Colleen, yummy. Do you like lemon pie? I don't know if I've even had lemon pie. Are you fond of it? I <laughs> I don't know if I've had one either, but I I mean, judging by what it is, I think I'd like it. Yeah, it seems fine. I just haven't I don't think I've ever gone out of my way to have lemon pie before. Yeah. I think like key lime pie is something that's more like well known than lemon pie. Yeah, key that's lime. more popular. I've heard yeah. of that one. So Conan starts the episode by saying, Today marks the 100th episode. My first love is in danger of re- revelation. I I don't know if it's just like bad fan translation, but they always make these sound like so so much more dramatic than they like should be. Oh, totally. So right before this, I actually looked up like all the different definitions of revelation just to see if they meant something else than what it was. But uh, yeah, pretty much... Uh, he just doesn't want it to be out in the open, I guess. He's a little shy about it. The episode begins with Professor Gassa asking Ron to clean Shinichi's house while he's away. She happily agrees and pushes Conan and Sonico into helping as well. Gassa says that Shinichi is lucky to have a considerate girlfriend. And he kind of really takes this moment to really tease Conan over that, calling Ron his girlfriend. Would, would you? Gassa doesn't have a, much of a impact this episode he's never seen after this little five second scene but i'm glad we got some good agasa gags here because he really he was really taking pleasure in making fun of shinichi oh it was fantastic it i it lasted like less than a minute but i think he really set up the episode well like you knew that kind of where like the tone of the episode was going to be very much about the shinichi uh ron relationship so yeah and it was fun to see agasa again i mean we saw him in the movie but i don't uh recall the last time we saw him in a proper episode yeah poor dude was getting shot with a crossbow last time we saw him yeah right in the butt (laughs) sonico starts to complain as this isn't how she wanted to spend her saturday and Ron tells her to start dusting the bookshelves before sweeping the floor, as you're supposed to clean from top to bottom. And uh, I like how Sonico's response to this helpful advice was to tell Ron that she sounds like an old hag. Which she kind of does, Colleen. 
Yeah, but I was I was uh, behind Ron. Do you follow that that cleaning philosophy? Absolutely. Cuz what's the point of first doing the floor and then the top to only get more dust on the floor? Then you have to redo the floor. Amen, sister. Like, Ron's just Amen. being sensible. <laughs> Sonicu says, girls our age should be out looking for guys or in a relationship or finding first love, but me, what am I doing but getting covered in dust for that mystery otaku? I'm pathetic, really. Just, Sonicu is having a hard time here. Poor girl. Oh my gosh. She's so, like, talk about dramatic. <laughs> and also, why is, like, those are the only things that she's interested in, obviously. Finding a boyfriend. So... That's my interest, too. I just want to find a boyfriend. Yeah. You and Sonico might have the same type. Actually, no, you don't. Uh, what was his name? What was that actor's name, the French guy? The French? What? Nope. What are you even talking about? Oh, uh, Remember, <laughs> I know uh... you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, who's Yeah, you guys guy's don't have name? the same taste. <laughs> he wasn't ugly. Well, she started off good. She was talking about, like, Brad Pitt. And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty hot. And then she was like, I, I can't remember his name, but yeah. Uh, some, I'm sure the listeners remember what we're talking about, surely. I hope yeah. so. Do, do you even remember what episode that was? Jeez. That was the I'm Kaido possessed. Kid episode. Yeah, you're typically so good with names. What happened, Colleen? <laughs> Where's your memory? I don't know. Now, like, now you suddenly have Spencer's half photographic memory. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, taking a toll on me sitting at home for four weeks now, five weeks almost. One second. After you. The Google machine will help me. Will it though? Uh, very slowly. It's loading. Come on. His name is Jean Renault. Ah. So that's what I thought. I said like Renault or. Something with an R. So. so good to know. There you have it. The mystery reel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that long-winded joke. There you go. After hearing Sonica's complaint, Ron wonders who Shinichi's first love was. Sonica doubts he had one as he's super dense, or that it was probably Ron. Sonica then says that Ron's first love was him, and an embarrassed Ron tells her not to jump to conclusions. Uh, then the doorbell rings, and the three of them are greeted by a woman named Uchida Asami, who was the student body president of Titan Middle School back when they were in in school. So she's in she's in college now. What do you think about this mysterious woman that shows up at Shinichi's house? Um, I was like, when she first showed up, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Who's this character? Because I vaguely remembered the episode. Uh, I wasn't 100% sure of what the whole, uh, like, what the case was going to be about. So I was okay with her. Like, okay, she's a upperclassman from their past. But uh, what uh, ended up happening, and, well, because of the title, you're kind of uh, already prepared to find out that she might have possibly been Shinichi's first love. And I was not, was not about to support that at all. Damn. You're gonna you're gonna tell Shinichi off for how he feels? Uh I might have, but like judging by Conan's reactions, like there was something up. Like I don't know how truthful she was being the entire time. 
Hmm. So they tell Sami that he's currently away, and she helps him clean. She says that her colleagues from the Toto University Mystery Research Club wanted to rent a house this weekend in order to celebrate her birthday, and that she wanted to invite Kudo. She sent a letter a while ago to his house, but never got a response. She says that she thought he would come, and then mentions that maybe he forgot about the confession that happened four years ago. I guess it can't be helped. It always fades with time. First love, that is. Uh, that's what she says to a, a very shocked Ron, who's like, what's going on here? Okay, what was your uh, impression of Asami and all this, like, this opening? Uh, well, I was full-blown shipping Shinichi X Asami, obviously. She's hot. No! She's older. <sighs> she, she actually looks a lot like Ron. Like, they have very similar hairstyles, apart from the horn on top. Yeah, she doesn't have the horn. That's why I was that's why I was down with Asami. I was like, man, she's a bit more of a normal human. <laughs> Poor Ron. Sonica reveals that in seventh grade there was a rumor that a seventh grader flirted with Asami and that it must have been Shinichi. Asami denies this and says that it was a perfectly good confession. Conan then quickly interrupts the conversation and tells her to invite somebody else if Shinichi can't come. Sonica says that she and Ron have solved cases before, and since she wants to come so she can meet some hot guys, she manages to secure an invite by saying that Kogoro would like to come to the party. We we set this up. It's going to be Ron, and she's going to be with possibly Shinichi's first love. Were you excited about all the dominoes falling and them getting together? Uh, I don't know if I was excited about it. Like I, I was sort of holding on to the hope that this was all like some big misunderstanding because I'm all for Ron and I didn't want this Asami girl like, coming in on her turf. Yeah, we, there there was an early episode where a girl claimed to have been like Shinichi's girlfriend in order to get, um, to get, because her like brother got kidnapped or something. But, um, yeah, that was a long time ago that that wound up. Shinichi was in the clear, thankfully. But uh, Ron was on a hell path, and she doesn't really take that attitude in this episode. Yeah, that that's true. Because usually she kind of, hate to say it, Ron might be a little bit on the jealous type side. But I think it was because she actually knew Asami. Like, she kind of respected her. Um, at least that was the impression that I got. So maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know if I would really say she ex-jealous in this episode i feel like more like uh she kind of feels inadequate because she's constantly comparing herself to her while she views it as like a competition she's kind of like just uh accepting herself as lesser than asami that she can't really compete so she's not really we don't really see that competitive side unlike that last time oh absolutely we and we definitely see that built throughout the episode like at the beginning it's kind of just like okay she's upperclassman asami whatever but yeah you're right it definitely uh <laughs> like uh poor ron is really self-conscious throughout the episode kegro initially declines the offer saying he that he doesn't have time to chaperone but sonica manages to convince him by saying that the people at the mystery club view him as a god and that there will be several beautiful women there including miss toto herself asami so i like just how quickly Kagura goes from, I can't go here, and then they're like, hot college chicks, and he's like, uh, you know what, and he acted all gracious, he's like, you know what, it's actually my responsibility to spend, take some time to spend with the youth, (laughs) 
It was just very funny. This was such a wonderful scene. Super funny. And uh, how Sonico is able to manipulate Kogoro, basically. I feel like sometimes Kogoro and Sonico are more alike than he and Ron are. Like, <laughs> so I find it really uh, entertaining whenever Sonico's in the episode and she's, uh, you know, using Kogoro like this. Oh, for sure. The only thing that like really differentiates them is the number of zeros in their bank accounts. Yeah, that's right. They arrive and we get introduced to the other Mystery Club members. Um, so this is the segment where they just throw like 20 names at you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's Sawai Manabu, who is a handsome man that's the president. Vice President Hayasaka Tomoko, who calls Sawai a playboy. And the two sophomores, Miyazaki Chika and Noguchi Shibasha. Wait, Shibahisa? Okay. Right. And Naguchi... Wait. Right. And Naguchi Shibahasa... No. And Naguchi Shibahisa? No. One sec. <laughs> I, re- I really hope that you keep this in the episode. <laughs> and Naguchi Shibahisa. <laughs> Boom. Alright. I'll Dang, keep it in just it. because... You were so entertained by me <laughs> not being able to talk. <laughs> it could be a blooper reel. <laughs> they mentioned that they're also here to celebrate Asami's novel winning the Rookie of the Year award. And Sawai says that a junior member named Morimoto Yoshinobu also made the finals. So, what do you think of the group here? Um... So first of all, I'd like to say out there, for people who watch Detective Conan and we get these scenes where a bunch of people are introduced and they have their own title cards and they give you like the name, the age, and their occupation, there is no shame in pausing the video if you want to read those in detail, because I have done that before. Um, so I, I mean, I was like, okay, interesting cast of characters. They're all in the same club, which means that they're all into whatever mystery researching or whatever the club is about which is uh i mean we have we've seen episodes like that before where it's either like a group that's all in one club or if they might be like university students with different majors but all these people have like basically the same major i think it was literature and they're in the same club so they're kind of uniform at this point to me like they're there's not a lot that distinguishes one character from another and there are some that I don't even learn that much about like there's uh I can't remember was it it might have been Noguchi Shibahisa that I didn't really oh no so one's like a sporty guy and then there's another one who's that guy at least gets drunk yeah that guy gets drunk but then the other guy the not president the third guy was yeah sort of Morimoto like just a side piece like I, yeah Morimoto there you go I pretty much remembered this whole episode about, as soon as I saw the fax machine, everything hit me, but up until then, I, I kind of was kind of fuzzy about everything, and then Morimoto, he's not really, like, fat or anything, but he was, like, a bigger guy than the rest, so I immediately thought of that case where it's at, like, Sonico's, uh, like, cabin, and the fat guy stuffs the, he loses weight, and then he stuffs the head. Yeah. In his uh, in his clothes. So I was like, right. this guy's suspicious. Is- do you ever, like, when you see, like, ten guys all introduced real quick, do you think, like, this person's gonna die? Do you ever guess that? Oh, uh, sometimes. Uh, like, in this one, I wasn't even sure if 
Asami was meant to be the victim. This one just didn't seem that um, obvious to me, but definitely like when we get the introductions to the characters, you're like, hmm, okay, this guy seems... Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it's more obvious than not sometimes. Like, did you think that Asami was the victim in this episode, or did you, like, did you kind of know... Well, you said that you remembered some of it. Did you remember that part? Uh, prior to, like, ever, all the information coming to it, I, I didn't really think that she for, she for sure was going to get attacked. I thought maybe, like, she would be framed or something like that. But, um, yeah. Once, once I saw the fax machine and that fax arrived, I was like, I remember this case exactly. So then I, everything came flushing in. I knew who was the uh, culprit. And uh, so once in a while, my memory works. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, it worked better than mine this time. All the students fawn over Asami's skills and then wonder where she is, but Sonico says that she's currently baking a lemon pie with Ron in the kitchen. Morimoto finds it odd as he thought she was going to bring one. They then bring it out, but it looks terrible, and we learn that Ron made it instead. Asami says that she forgot to bring hers, and Ron offered to make one for her, so she obliged. She tells everybody to try it before criticizing, and everybody says that it's very good despite it being a little burnt. It looks bad, but it tastes great, remarks her father. Good old Kagura. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he should say that as the dad. If if he was the only one that didn't like it, that would have been hilarious, though. Asami says that cooking is all on the inside, and that you forget appearances as soon as you eat it, which is true. Yeah, I thought this was like some deep uh, uh, comment about people, but I don't think... It was no. It was like <laughs> it didn't literal. Really come back, yeah. <laughs> it was very much about cooking. Um, it skips to later in the night, and we see Conan thinking, "I was the one who solved all these cases after seeing Sonico and Kagura bragging about their deductions." <laughs> Hayasaka presents the cake for Asami and says that she went all the way to Ginza for it. She then uses Sawai's lighter to light the candles on it. Remarks that every additional candle on the cake is detestable after you turn 20. Do you agree, Colleen? Define birthday cakes <laughs> detestable. Oh, um, <laughs> it's funny because, uh, like a lot of people say, you know, oh, 30s, the new 20 or whatnot. So, um, I, I guess <laughs> they took it like one decade below the what the norm is considered right now but uh yeah i uh ever since i turned 20 i was like oh great my life's over now so detestable yeah. though it's a strong word i agree life is over you start a canon podcast and then it's all downhill from there <laughs> it's all downhill what are we doing they then receive a fax at midnight from their professor takamura and we see that Asami has passed out before she could blow out the candles. They mentioned that they were going to go do karaoke afterwards, and that they've already made reservations. Swai says that they can eat the cake with her tomorrow, and that they should go to karaoke without Asami. They cover her up with a blanket, and then leave to have some fun. So, we get to see karaoke again, and the first sight we see is Naguchi belting out Detective Conan's previous opening song, uh, Nezo by Miho Komatsu. Did you uh, catch that? While he was singing it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a good throwback. I, I enjoyed that. And, like, the they they had another, like, karaoke thing where they played a song. 
That was a previous. So this is like a running gag now. Yeah, exactly. It's just too bad that Conan didn't sing in this one. No, we missed it. He was about to sing some two mix with uh, Hayasaka, who asked if they'll do a duet. So he does sing, but we we don't get to hear it, sadly. Uh, and then Ron is seen looking sad as the current ending song, Nagai Goto Hitatsu Dake, also by Miho Kamatsu, is performed at the karaoke. Sonika says that she must be thinking that she can't compete with Asami, and that it's not surprising that Shinichi liked her as she was the manager of the soccer club. However, there's nothing for Ron to worry about as Shinichi probably got rejected, and he's childhood friends with Ron. Ron then says that Shinichi loved lemon pies and that she just found out about it today from Asami. It turns out that Asami had brought a pie as promised, but decided to teach Ron how to make one instead. Ron says that she doesn't stand a chance, and which causes Sonika to just slap her, and she takes so much joy in slapping her, which I thought was really funny. And she tells Ron that she has her own virtues, such as her karate and strength. What do you think about this scene? The, we get to see some violence from Sonika, which doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. Like, Sonika's giving her a real pep talk. Well, more than pep talk, even a slap. I, and you're right, it's so slap. funny that it's pep slap. <laughs> Sonika was enjoying it a little too much. But I think because in their friendship, she's the one that might be the more slappable one. Just like all the shenanigans she ends up getting into and all the, like, I don't know, stuff that she ends up saying. Um, so when she has an opportunity like this, like, I guess she doesn't want to miss out on it. Just for the record, I find no women slappable. Is that so? <laughs> it's true. Hmm. Okay, I'm not going to start off naming people now. <laughs> Kegura returns to the room after using the bathroom and is told that Morimoto, Hayasaka, and Noguchi went to use the bathroom at the train station because he took so long. Swai so then gives Kogre cigarettes that he bought for him at the convenience store nearby. Everyone returns but Noguchi, who is loitering around the station trying to sober up. Since it's past 3am, they decide to head back, and that's when they see the rented house on fire out the window. Kogre tells them to hurry back as they might be able to save Asami, so... We finally get some drama here at the very end of the episode. This was kind of weirdly paced for a two-parter, because usually, like... Somebody's died, like, midway through the uh, first episode. But there's a lot more build-up in this, um, because it's kind of pretty chill until about, like, 19 minutes, you know, left, like, 19 minutes into the episode. What do you think about just the pacing? Did you enjoy it, that we kind of get got more downtime than usual? Yeah, I, I did notice that as well, and just because of that, I figured, okay, it's not going to be an overly complicated mystery or the like the trick isn't going to be that uh, sophisticated so they did have more time to kind of explore the relationship side of it which was nice like the pacing like I, I kind of like just getting into the case and uh, having it more around the mystery but it was it was a nice like a nice uh, change of pace to focus on the relationship between the characters a little more and we did get to talk about shinichi's past which is always nice yeah the case almost seems more secondary the the main focus is more about you know shinichi's past and then the case kind of ties into the lesson because it ties into the past when asami tells about her own first love here at the very end um so i, I thought that worked really well 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Noguchi arrives and gives the car keys to Gogoro so he can drive back and check on her. They call for her outside to no avail and then wonder if she's still sleeping inside. And then uh, there's a scene where Sawai says that the they can't call her phone because it's probably melted already. Morimoto tries to run inside but can't enter through the door. Hayasaka then stops Sonika from entering, and Kogoro tells them to move the motorcycle away from the fire as it could explode. While Miyazaki is moving the bike, she wonders where the helmet is, and that's when we see that Ron had taken it and put it on for safety. Ron then rushes into the house with Conan and Sawai, who then breaks down the door. She finds Asami laying inside as Kogoro is held back by Morimoto. So we have this very dramatic scene where Kogoro is trying to get, get to his daughter, but he's holding back and he's, run, run! <laughs> Kogoro seems to do that a lot, though. Like, and how brave of Ron to go into a burning building. Like, kudos to her. Yeah, she's a badass. Totally. We then see Ron waking up at a hospital bed, and Sonika says that she was carried there. She asks if Asami is okay, and it's revealed that she's sleeping in the next bed. Ron had fainted after saving her, and she says that Sawai had showed her the exit. Sonika is impressed by Ron grabbing a helmet, and says that while the firemen didn't agree with her running into the fire, they did say that she did the right thing with the helmet. Uh, she says that Conan actually told her to wear the helmet, as it would help protect her face and hair from the flames. So, they also have this little scene where Sonico and Ron are just kind of like, man, that Conan, what a helpful brat he is. It's nice seeing him get appreciated. <laughs> yeah, because uh, most of the time Sonico isn't that friendly towards him, I suppose. I thought it was super interesting that uh, Conan handed her the helmet and sort of allowed her to go into the burning building. Like, it, I feel like he would have like it would have been more in his character to try and stop Ron but uh no he i i'm hoping that he basically said okay Ron's probably the most capable of getting her of getting Asami out of this yeah and plus he knows Asami so that's somebody that he also cares about and and up to this point a lot of people think that she's his first love so that kind of play you know that's another reason why he would want to Saver, because maybe there's romantic feelings involved, so that helps further that story as well. Yeah, but it like once you realize like what the actual story was, like and looking back, you can figure okay, Conan just you know he cares about people. He doesn't want to see anybody die unnecessarily, so um, that that ends up making sense anyways. But yeah, you're right. Like at this point, you're just kind of wondering, okay, like. He he cares about this person, potentially, so, yeah, he wants her get, to get out of there safely. Kagura learns from the firemen that the fire started at 2.50 a.m. and wonders if it could be arson. However, they say that the fire started inside the living room due to a candle from the cake, must have fallen and set gift wrap that was scattered about the floor on fire. Hayasaka says that she put out all the candles, but the fireman says that the candles were burned almost completely to the end. Kokoro says that if it wasn't carelessness, it might have been a suicide attempt by Asami. So that's how the episode ends with that big shocking uh, revelation that maybe the the upbeat girl we had just seen tried to commit suicide. Um, did you ever take that seriously, Colleen, or were you pretty sure that it must have been a crime? No, I mean, that's classic Kogoro. Like, he always throws out, oh, it might have been suicide. Like, it just seemed like one of his... Uh, one of his bad deductions. 
Um, so I never thought, I never put anything behind that. I mean, you can look at it like, okay, Asami's sort of like this perfect girl and she's so good at everything, but like maybe deep down she's have some, she has some troubles of her own. So I suppose you could look at it that way, but I, I didn't. Is that you, Colleen? Do you have troubles of your own deep down? <laughs> no. <laughs> Pretty. I'm sorry to say I'm kind of uh, happy. Damn. Hopefully most people are happy. <laughs> the next kind of intent is facts. Exciting. Uh, <laughs> and, uh... Wow. What a, that, ha- that hint only works in ni- n- 1998. Like, anybody like that wasn't around when fax machines were a thing watching this is probably like, oh, what's this ancient piece of technology i was still i was still using a fax machine in like 2014 for the record yeah well um probably like like was it at home though or was it at a business like a office or it was out of business yeah yeah okay kenan and ron say that next time we approach the truth behind his first love and then sonic is like it's obvious already so fun little segment before we get to the part two there what'd you think of the first part were you excited to figure out the case and figure out about shinichi's first love yeah i so like we said this case was probably a little bit overshadowed by the backstory side of it like the character relationship side of the story so i was pretty much convinced like as soon as i kind of saw like the setup like the uh, like the, all the things that were burned and uh, that the next Conan's hint was facts. I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know what happened with the case. So I could kind of like put that aside and focus on the rest of the uh, episode. So this first parter I thought was like a good setup, um, even though most of it was um, like less mystery, more character development. Um, I thought we had some great like, Sonico moments, Sonico Ron moments, a little bit of Kogoro. Uh, he wasn't like surprisingly, he wasn't being as Kogoro as he could have been. Maybe like that first scene where Sonico's trying to convince him to come with them, but afterwards, like as if he wasn't drunk at the karaoke place. Come on, but um, no, I I enjoyed it. What did you think of the first part? I guess maybe they had to make sure that he didn't drink too much just because he was driving to the back to the boys. Yeah. Like he was the uh the chaperone for all those kids. Yeah, I I I enjoyed the first part a lot. I really enjoy uh this whole two parter. I, I I like getting the backstory stuff, so that's always very exciting for me, especially when we're talking about Detective Conan, which is a series that doesn't have a ton of the the the, the uh chances for a lot of plot-heavy, you know, backstory stuff are few and far between. So whenever we can get that, I'm really excited. Yeah, it's nice. Um, one thing that doesn't get mentioned either in this part or the next part is the poor people who own the house and rented it to these folks. Like, they, they're they out of a business, basically, of renting that house. Hey, man, it's the cool thing is to hate on uh, landlords now. So we're gonna we're gonna be woke and say screw them. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Down with the man. Yeah. The 
So we move to episode 101, which is the Memories of First Love Case Part 2. This aired one week later on May 18th, 1998. I love this opening. Conan says, today we solved the lemon pie mystery. Like, that's not what the mystery is about. It's not about lemon pie. Why are you saying? (laughs) It's amazing. Who actually made the horrible lemon pie? (laughs) Yeah, like, what's the mystery you're trying to solve here? Like, did somebody steal the lemon pie from the windowsill? Was it like, you know, what the boo-boo? nursery rhyme or whatever What's the bear? Yogi Bear. Hey, boo-boo. Yogi Bear. Yeah, was it Yogi Bear? Did he steal the pie? Like, Get my picnic basket. <laughs> yeah. I, I so <laughs> wish that that was the episode's title. The Lemon Pie Mystery Case. Conan continues and says that the secret memory of a heartwarming first love. So, a lot of, a lot of drama here for none of it talking about the girl that almost died in a fire. No. Jeez. <laughs> we're, we're more interested in the lemon pie and whatever the love story ends up being. Also, I don't know if you mentioned it, but uh, when um, Sonico and Ron were uh, in the hospital and like uh, Ron was uh, in the or Asami was in the bed, the one next over to Ron after Sonico and Ron left, Asami just woke up. Right. So obviously she was conscious the entire time and heard their conversation but it was just a little yeah, that, creepy that's the next line that's the next line why oh, don't you repeat that I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> so the episode resumes with Sonica telling Ron that Asami said I'm sorry I'm sorry Kudakun I'm sorry in her sleep after they leave to get a drink from the vending machine we see Asami open her eyes Colleen I, I get the feeling that you found this creepy <laughs> Yeah, I can't read, apparently. You can do some editing magic, right? Yeah, what'd you think about the scene? Oh, I... Th- <laughs> um, I thought it was... So, obviously, Asami was listening to their conversation, but I thought it was really creepy when she just opened her eyes, and she had, like, this death, dead stare in them. Like, they had no emotion to them. So, you're like, okay, what is up with this Asami girl? It's almost as if she... They kind of wanted you to uh, think that she was in on it a little bit. So maybe Kogro's suicide theory um, was actually right. But uh, yeah, it was, it kind of creeped me out. Why do you think she was saying that anyhow? Because they never really go back to it. Why do you think she was apologizing to Kudo after she had like just almost died? Like, What's going on there? Uh... I figured it, I could be interpreting this incorrectly, but I thought it had something to do with, um, uh, like the rumors that she spread back in the day. Uh, yeah, it could be that. It seemed like, yeah. I don't know why she would be thinking about that right then. Um, it could be because she had got like Ron, um, in danger. That's, that's something I just thought of now. So maybe it's that, but they never really circle back around to it. No, like, it would have been nice if Asami explained it, although, yeah, and so, I guess she's awake right now, like, she's conscious when she's saying, I'm sorry, Kudo, or do you think that she was just saying it in her her sleep, and then she woke up? 
I don't know. Because if she was like fully conscious, why would she be just talking to herself? That seems like an insane person would do. I talk to myself a lot, but now I have a dog, so I can just pretend like I'm talking to my dog. So that's really <laughs> been a lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. That's what pets are good for. <laughs> that's the only good thing. Oh, well, I didn't mean it like that, but they make you seem less insane. <laughs> I don't I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> we then see Kevin snooping around the crime scene, wondering how Asami, who was sleeping on the sofa, wound up on the floor surrounded by fire. He says that the arrangement of furniture looks different, and that somebody must have come back here and lit the place on fire. If so, Morimoto is the prime suspect, as he had the key to the uh, house. Although Conan admits as long as you left the window open, anybody could have done it. Considering the time of the fire starting, and nobody being gone for more than 30 minutes, he says that it would take about 10 minutes round trip for a car to go, and about 30 minutes if you were on foot. Considering the time of the fire starting, which was like 2.50am, and nobody being gone for more than 30 minutes, only Noguchi could have made the round trip, as it takes 10 minutes by car. However, the car wasn't noted as missing by anybody, and a lot of people were going outside, so it doesn't seem to be the case. So, Kun's totally at a loss. And he finds it impossible for anybody at the karaoke box to have done it. Were you surprised that Ken was so off the mark initially? No, I, th- I think he has his his moments where he's wrong. Like I will admit that, even though I'm you know an Uber Conan fan, um, he's pretty quick though to uh, correct himself. I I find. A fireman tells Conan that he shouldn't be there. And then he says that he heard today was the girl's birthday. While the presents melted, he was able to save a birthday message. He hands Conan a half-burnt piece of paper from Takamura to give to her. However, the two pieces of paper don't match up together. Conan then remembers somebody saying something strange. And then overhears the fireman talking about the cake with the burning candles being on top of a chair that was in front of the cabinet in the corner of the room. Who are you suspecting? Uh, I I was suspecting expecting i was i was torn between um noguchi that's the athletic one right the sports guy yeah the guy that got real drunk the guy who got a little drunk i was between him and the club president yeah can't trust men now you remember you remembered you remembered who it was right yeah okay you can't trust men yeah for the record there the uh arsonist was not a woman. Indeed. Uh, we then see Sonica telling Ron that it was strange that Asami was in the tennis club until 8th grade and became a national champion, then quit to manage the soccer club. The decision also happened in the summer, which is unusual, as people usually retire from clubs in the second trimester of ninth grade. Sonica says that I bet she changed her mind because there weren't any hot guys in the tennis club, which is just the most <laughs> Sonica answer possible. Oh, Sonico, I'm so happy that she was in this uh, episode. The two of them then return to the hospital room to find Asami missing from her bed, and they begin looking for her and contact the nurses. We then see Conan asking a convenience store owner if a customer came there around 3 a.m. The man says that there were three of them that stopped by a brunette with glasses, a young lady in a black dress, and an athletic-looking guy. That means Sawai, Hayasaka, and Noguchi were there. He mentions Noguchi was a drunken mess, and Conan whispers in his ear if something specific happened. He's surprised that Conan knew. I was trying to tell him he was doing it backwards, but he wouldn't listen, says the owner. 
He sure was a crazy customer trying to stuff some sticky papers in. This helps Conan figure out the case, and he says that the culprit still has evidence on their hands. Conan had completely figured it out here, so it really did not take long for him to go from, like, this is an impossible crime to, oh, this guy did it. That's right. And Conan is one of those classic Conan kind of investigates on his own, because I don't even know what, what, Kogoro was with the firemen the entire time, I think? Yeah. And Conan seems to be the one running around figuring this out. Ron then calls Kogoro and tells him of Asami's disappearance, and he says that maybe she went to commit suicide. Kogoro is just so fixated on this. <laughs> it's his like one theory for any of his cases. He's like, it must be suicide. And yet the one time when it was a suicide, the Yoko Okino case, he wasn't correct. He didn't jump to that conclusion. I know. <laughs> That's why you love Kogoro. <laughs> Uh, immediately after hearing this, Conan knocks Kogoro out. In my notes, I put knocks Kogoro up as if he impregnated him, which definitely did not happen. <laughs> yeah, we did not watch the same episode. Boy, one one word really changes the whole dynamic of that, huh? <laughs> so good. Jeez, so he, he knocks him out, not up, and then he begins the deduction show. <laughs> Conan says that Asami was a victim and almost burned to death due to one of the members of the group. Were you still on, like, the Noguchi or the president train here, or did you have it narrowed it down to one person? Um, yeah, I think I was going more towards the president, um, but I didn't think it was, like... I didn't get the motive right. I don't know what I thought. I was just like, eh, he's a little shady. But uh, the motive really kind of made him that much more of a sleazeball. <laughs> uh, they all come to a conclusion that it was impossible for any of them to travel back to the house in time. Although Morimoto mentions that it'd be different if there was a timing device set up. Kogoro says that there was one. But it wasn't noted by the firefighters because it was a common everyday object that belonged at the scene and could be operated by from a remote location. The culprit set the house on fire several kilometers away by using something that was near the karaoke store. A firefighter then tells Conan that the preparations are done, and he explains that the same exact setup the arsonist used has been replicated. They all come inside, and somehow Kogoro's body is just jammed into this room without anybody noticing, like, and finding it odd, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all come inside and see the living room looking like it was before the fire. A piece of birthday cake is then brought in and put on top of a chair in front of the fax machine. We then see a fax come in and the paper is lit on fire by the candles. Kogoro explains that the convenience store owner just sent that in, just like the criminal did last night. So, uh, what do you think about the trick of using a fax machine to start a fire? Yeah, that was, it was pretty brilliant, but the whole setup did look a little funny. Like, you, the only way for it to work, at least in this scenario, was that you had a cake with candles lit on a chair. Like, it, it didn't seem like the most natural of things. So, like, obviously when the uh, firefighters, like, saw... That there was a chair right beside the cabinet where the fax machine was, like it kind of made it super obvious what happened. Like, um, I I kind of wish that there was another way to make it a little bit more, um, like not so obvious. 
the like note you had to have the the cake on the chair, which does it's not like a natural kind of thing. So Kilgar explains that the culprit wanted a simple trick, as the more complicated it is, the more evidence that is left behind. He says that the culprit is none other than the president at Sawai. Miyazaki doesn't believe it, as he ran into the fire to save Asami, and was the first one that noticed the fire. Kilgar says that this actually wasn't a murder plot, but rather an excuse for him to save her. I, I really like this addition here, that he set up this whole arson case to be the hero rather than to uh, actually kill somebody, which I thought was an interesting deviation to, you know, the plots we usually have. Because early on when they were talking about like, oh, this other person in our club also entered the book competition, but he came in second. Uh, Oh, maybe he was jealous of her. And like, there were a bunch of like red herrings early on of people like talking her up and being like, oh, but I'm not as good as her. She won the Miss uh, Toto University pageant or whatever blah 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 she's so good so you're like oh anybody could be jealous of her you know even maybe ron did it she was so mad that she was the first love of her man you know so like i thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. that rather than like the typical jealous route it was somebody uh you know wanting to be with her so i thought it was interesting no those are super good points i didn't even really think of uh the red herrings like the the jealous route um, I thought it was unique, like you said, just to have that, um, the person wanting, didn't, like, the person didn't actually want to murder her. Um, he just wanted to have the fame and glory of saving her, which he didn't end up doing anyways. Um, but, like, as unique as it was, it was still, like, twisted for me. Oh, yeah, definitely twisted. Um, but I do have to say, if you were caught in a fire... And somebody saved you, Colleen. You'd owe them a day, right? <laughs> um, not if they were the ones that set the fire. What if you don't know that, though? What if it's just a mystery how it occurred? <laughs> yeah. Asking for a um, friend. Friend of a friend. Yeah, I mean, I'd be grateful to my savior, but if the savior... If I ever found out <laughs> that... That person set the fire. I, I don't think I'd be very happy. <laughs> I see, I see. So that's a dangerous route. So you can tell All your right. friend that. <laughs> yeah, we also learned that he drugged her. Um, he gave her sleeping pills and a drink. And then placed the cake by the fax machine. He then put a sami on the floor and pushed the furniture away so that she wouldn't be burned to death. Which, at least he did that. At least he took, like, the minimal precautions of, like, hey, maybe she won't get caught on fire. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so considerate of him. It's pretty nice, you know. Uh, Then he sent the fax at the convenience store, and leftover papers have been recovered. Conan says that the pieces don't fit, so there must have been two pages at the scene of the crime. So while he admits he sent a fax, but says it was just to a a friend who had asked him to come up with a title for his novel, Kogoro asked him to explain the tax receipt that he gave the manager as it has the recipient's phone number on it and his fingerprints so i then says that he might have, must have pressed the wrong number as the two numbers are written right beside each other in his notebook he also says that he wouldn't have used a trick that might not have worked kegaro then claims that's why he made copies to test it out first and that he used the copy function of the fax machine to do so he decided to copy the greeting from takamura and sent the fax from the store using the copied version that had previously touched some of the cream on the cake. 
Kegger says that the store manager was furious and that he tried telling you that it was backwards. However, it couldn't be helped as he wanted to send a blank message in case it was found at the crime scene. It was interesting how, like, uh, this guy just didn't think of taking a blank piece of paper along. Or maybe that would be even more suspicious. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, either way, he he got caught. Like, the convenience store owner was definitely keeping an eye on him. Yeah. Uh, so why he asked Kogoro for some proof, and Kogoro says that the original fax is still in his possession because he was fearful someone would find it. So why he tells the fireman not to touch him, and he shows the fax to everybody saying that he should have just thrown it away. He admits to starting the fire and asks how Kogoro knew it was him. Kagura says that when Sawai first arrived at the fire, he had said the phone had already melted, which was suspicious and only something the arsonist would know. Sawai then explains that he wanted Asami to notice him as he got rejected last month. That had never happened to him before, and he wanted the fire to be small, but it got out of hand. And uh, Conan just gets really pissed off here. He calls him an idiot, says that those aren't valid excuses, and then he kind of just goes off this long list of ways that she could have died. Like... Oh, if there was traffic, or if we were a minute late, blah, blah, blah. If, like, you know, the fire mm-hmm. spread in a different way. And then he says... Yeah. And this part was apparently added to the anime. Oh, was it? Like, it wasn't in the manga, apparently. Apparently. I haven't... I didn't actually read the the chapter, but uh, apparently they added this one. This, like, long speech. I like it. I like it, because it does show that, like... Conan's kind of extra fired up because he does know Sami and, like, cares about her, even if it's, you know, we learn it's just as a friend, um, you know, so I, I like this little extra yeah. spice here. I liked it, too, and I know we always, I know we always uh, sort of um, downplay or, I guess, make fun of Conan's uh, final words to the, the culprits, like, they're always very kind of philosophical or whatnot but i think this one was justified like he just went out on the guy yeah he ends with a dagger here he says if you wanted her to notice you why didn't you become someone worth being noticed oh oh man that's a just a complete diss to me being single too so that that one hurt conan oh i i don't think conan was trying to get at you don't take it personally Asami then arrives and calls the president a fool. That's all she. That's like all she says. <laughs> just like, hey, you trying to kill me, you fool? <laughs> so he's taken to the police station by the firemen, and then Asami tells him that he can't use force to open someone's heart. So he says that she might be able to get any guy she wants just by breathing air into him. But she says that isn't the case, as she was <laughs> once rejected. This poor woman. Oh yeah, boy, yeah, poor her. It was good that she admitted that you can't uh, force uh, someone to open their heart. Because then you're, like, it kind of did that full circle, like, okay, now I already got, like, an idea of what actually ended up happening with between her and Shinichi. Yeah, I like how this ties in with the, you know, the backstory ties into the case. I thought that was really well done, especially for that hack, Gesho Oyama. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a manga case, everybody. In case you didn't uh, catch on earlier. After the ending credits, Asami tells Ron and Sonika that she confessed to Shinichi and not vice versa. She got rejected and then she spread rumors around. She says that Shinichi was her first love and that she was desperate for him to notice her. However, he didn't care about the rumors. 
in disbelief. Just Sonico cannot process this. She's like, what did you like about Shinichi? <laughs> She's just shocked that somebody <laughs> other than Ron would like him. And uh, Asami says that she didn't notice it at first, but one day she shared a lemon pie with the team, and everybody said it was really good but him. He instead said that it tasted like crap, and he was the only per- person being honest with her. She was so mad at first that she baked a lemon pie every day for three months until he liked it. Before she knew it, she was in the she was the manager of the soccer club and was madly in love with him. So apparently, to win the heart of a woman, you just have to neg their cooking repeatedly. It didn't work for Kogoro and Eri, though, <laughs> as we saw. <laughs> in the movie. That's true. There's two very different responses to how your cooking yeah. sucks, huh? I also love that Sonico's always like, why Why do you people like Shinichi? Like, the most boy-crazy character on this show does not like the guy who apparently is sort of like God's gift to women. Like, every girl likes Shinichi, except for Sonico. <laughs> so it's really funny to me. Asami also notes that Ron succeeded in her first try um, with the lemon pie. And Asami says that Shinichi told her that he, he already liked somebody since he was little. And that it was somebody strong-willed and stubborn, but cries a lot. Sonico, like, instantly knows he's talking about Ron. But Ron's like, I don't know anybody like that. Who's, he, who's she talking true. about? <laughs> so good. Sweet Ron. Yeah, I thought this was, like, a really strong two episodes. I thought Ron... Uh, we got to see a different side of her. You know, her insecurities kind of seep out, which we don't... You know, she's usually so confident and strong, so... Uh, I thought that was interesting. And it wasn't, like, one of the just her being scared of, like, ghosts or something. Because we see that, but we don't really see, like, this type of insecurity that often about if she's good enough. So I thought that was a really interesting part of the episode. I thought uh, it really... I'm glad I had the two-parter instead of trying to cram it in. So, like, everybody had some space and it kind of let the story breathe a little and we got more downtime than usual. I I really like this two-parter. Yeah, I I did as well. Like uh, it was uh, definitely refreshing, uh, not having the focus be on the mystery. I mean, there was one because it's case closed. Like that's what you're gonna get. But uh, I feel like the trick was simple enough that you like quickly got it just from watching, it, and then you could kind of go back to okay, what's the this whole like secret with the with Shinichi's apparent first love, and I. I was just thinking about it, like uh, how Asami wanted uh, Shinichi to notice her. So Asami could have taken the route that Sawai did by, you know, putting Shinichi in a burning building and then saving him. But I guess she decided not to go that route. But who knows if it would have worked out for Maybe her. Maybe she should have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it as hint. well. I really liked it as well, and um, I'm uh, I'm happy that Shinron is still going strong. Yeah, there's no stopping that. We still have 900 episodes of Shinron. Don't worry. Yay. So the next canon's hint is phone. <laughs> Which I feel it yeah. has been a hint before. <laughs> oh, for sure. Let me... I'm gonna look this up because I'm certain we've had phone like multiple times already. Let's see here, phone. Uh, episode five was cell phone. Episode seventy nine was mobile phone, and now we go telephone. So at least they're like kind of variants. Okay. 
But we'll see oh, it a lot more so, times in the future. So apparently this episode also had different next Conan hints. Like part one uh, in the original was lemon pie. In the remastered version, they changed it to birthday cake. So oh. I feel like maybe that would have been a better hint than the lemon pie. Because the lemon pie didn't actually have yeah, anything the- to do with the mystery. Wow, Colleen, this was the lemon pie mystery. <laughs> Let's not forget. Lemon... That's so true. Okay, yeah. So the mystery was, like, why didn't Shinichi like her lemon pie? <laughs> and then for part two, uh, the original next Conan hint was facts. And then in the remastered version, it was convenience store. Ah. That's interesting that they, they changed it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Conan says, next time on Conan, a historical play, and then we get a bunch of Japanese puns that I was not going to try to understand. I saw a bunch of text, like, pop up on the screen, and I was like, I'm not reading that. (laughs) Me too, because it seemed like it was, um, just, uh, explaining every word, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. This is some, like, movie pun bullshit that I'm just not... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. I'll, I'll rock that for a movie once every like year, but not for a regular episode. Sorry, Ken. But yeah, uh. I thought this was two really solid episodes. Uh, it seems like we both really like the case. Got a lot of Ron, and uh, we're back with another two-parter next time. So we're, we're hopefully we'll keep the string of good episodes alive as we'll cover the historical actor murder case part one and part two next week. Yeah, the preview looked really exciting. So there we go. I always skip the previews, so I don't, like... Oh, you do? Yeah, I always skip the previews because I don't want, like, to remember. Uh, I just I, I just want to go off the case. Because I feel like if I see too many scenes from that, I'll probably, like, remember what happened. And it's nicer to just have that reveal slowly uh, while watching. So I usually skip those oh, okay, now. fair enough. Just because I've already fair seen these enough. episodes before. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that does it for this week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Treese. The show is case underscore reopened. Uh, you can send us feedback. You can rate the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate that. That helps other people find the show. And I think that's yeah. Shout out to plugs. everybody out there <laughs> who's uh, sitting at yeah, home, stay inside, self isolating. Stay inside. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Listen to case reopened (laughs) yeah thanks colleen see y'all next week bye bye and remember one truth always prevails